My name is Derek Rishmaui. I am the campus minister with Reform University Fellowship at University of California, Irvine. Uh, and it's a pleasure to be here kind of with you this morning. Uh, it's always a pleasure. We, we at RUF love partnering with Trinity and, and I, I love that I get to preach, I think second year in a row, uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we're turning that into a, a little bit of a Thanksgiving slash Advent tradition. And so it's, it's great to be back with you. Now, on that note, um, I'm going to let you in on a little secret about, uh, about pastors preaching at other churches is often pastors will recycle sermons. They, they don't always preach a new sermon each time because you don't want to go on the road and, you know, try something new. You haven't tested it. You kind of test that out on your home people. And then you give, you give other congregations like the, the good ones. Um, so kind of doing that again here, uh, but, but it's kind of a different situation. I got asked to preach at a church last week, another PCA church last week, uh, and they asked me to preach on Thanksgiving. And I thought, okay, well, I'll write something for Thanksgiving there, and then I'll do that again a week later, bookending Thanksgiving week at Trinity. And I thought that'd be a great idea because, A, it's Thanksgiving. We're all still, we're all still eating leftovers. Uh, so you're still in the Thanksgiving spirit. There's tons of verses on Thanksgiving. The Bible is about gratitude, Christianity, the whole thing. I thought this is going to be this is going to be perfect. Uh, but then when I sat down to actually write the sermon a few couple weeks ago, um, I thought, you know, this is Thanksgiving in 2020. This is this is going to maybe be a little bit of a harder sell than I thought. Right? This is the year. Uh, of the pandemic, this is the year of the unrest and the and the shutdowns and the the, the deaths and and um, and all sorts of other things that have happened. Uh, I mean, this is the year that right now we're, we're shooting this uh, live, and you're not watching it in person. And this is a couple days after a Thanksgiving dinner where you probably weren't gathered with some loved ones that you would have loved to have seen. And so. Um, this was like, this is going to be tougher. But as I reflected on this even more, I realized that for many of us, uh, Thanksgiving may not be the message that we initially want to hear about right now, but it is the message that we need to hear about. It's the message we need to reflect on, the reality that we need deep in our souls. And so without any other kind of fancy setup, what I want to do this morning is set two texts in conversation and reflect on why it's right to give thanks in a year like this, in all times, in all places, uh, and, and, and not just why it's right, but why we need to give thanks, why our souls need to give thanks. And so with that in mind, if you have a Bible, I'm going to be reading from Psalm 136, as well as 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. So if you have a Bible at home, go ahead and get that out, uh, or I'll just read and you can just listen along. But before we do that, I'm going to pray for the reading of God's Word and then also for the, for, the, for the message this morning. So go ahead and bow your heads and pray with me wherever you are. Holy Father, we thank you for this time and this place. We thank you for your mercies. You are a God of mercy and you are a God of kindness. And you're a God who gives good gifts. And so we pray to you right now that we would receive the good gift of your word in this, in this moment. That you would sanctify it by your spirit. That you would drive it home to our hearts and our minds and transform us in this time by your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm 136. 
hear now the reading of God's word. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever, and killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel his servants, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. Uh, now 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I want to begin then by looking at first at Paul's kind of short, powerful command here right at the end of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, what's happening here is uh, Paul is wrapping up the letter and Sort of like, uh, I remember when I was a kid, my mom, uh, when I was walking out the door to go to school, my mom would kind of just hit me with a barrage of, of commands like, hey, don't forget your jacket. Did you brush your teeth? I love you. Also be home soon. Like that, that kind of thing. Just all of a sudden, a, a bunch of just loving commands that are in a flurry. And that's kind of what it feels like at the end of First Thessalonians 5. Paul is a, a laundry list of, of, of exhortations. And right there, he gives three brief commands. Rejoice always. 
pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. And all three go together, but I want to focus in on the last one, right? Just this very simple command to give thanks in all circumstances. So what's, what is the command, basically, first? Um, it, it's one word, eukaristete. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but I think that's how it is. Uh, and it basically just means give thanks, right? You all know what giving thanks is. Uh, giving thanks is an expression of gratitude, right? Somebody has blessed you, they've given you a, a benefit, they've been kind to you in some way, and you express your gratitude from the heart, either with, with words or with an action in response, right? This is what you're all going to be doing in a few weeks, sending Christmas cards to each other, and then uh, making sure that you have some backup Christmas cards in case you forget somebody that you sent, you received one, and you didn't send one. Oh, no, it's in the mail. It will be that kind of thing. So you give you give thanks in response. You know how that works, right? The question is, who do you give thanks to? Well, in this command, it's clear that the context is it's God, right? You pray to God, you give thanks to God. Okay, so that's all very simple. The difficulty, I think, for most of us comes in this in in, in the clause here. In all circumstances, right? We're tempted to ask, well, what does the all mean here? Well, in the Greek, the the word is panti, and it just means all. Right? It just means all. And I'm, I'm being playful here because it just seems like such an incredible command. Right? But it's not unique. It's all over the place. In, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, Paul tells the, the Ephesians to always give thanks to God the Father. There's a, there's a continuous expression of thanks is, is what Paul's commanding. And this is all over Scripture. So we have to deal with this all. We have to deal with this command. So I suppose to de deal with it, it's important to kind of distinguish first uh, the preposition that's being used. So Paul, Paul says "n" or in. He doesn't say for, right? Paul doesn't say give thanks for everything that happens to you, for all circumstances. He's not saying gaslight yourself into thinking that everything that occurs in your life is in and of itself a good thing. But he does, he does nevertheless say give thanks in all circumstances. And, and that's what we have to wrestle with because we hear that and, and, and many of us are tempted to think at this point, are you, are, you, are you sure, Paul, in this circumstance right now, in this, in this season of unemployment, in this pandemic season, in this season of chronic illness, in this season of infertility, in this season of, of, of grief at loss, like are you my situation now? And we're tempted to kind of put an asterisk on that and, and, and assume that he's, no, he's just talking to Bible people. But who was he talking to? It's important to consider that. The Thessalonians were not some comfortable middle-class congregation comfortably ensconced in, in some nice building listening to Paul's letter read over their coffee. This was a small, uh, persecuted community. Paul, Paul mentions earlier that they had suffered. And by that, he meant things like economic want. He meant... Uh, political oppression. He meant the loss possibly of freedom, of, of property, of friendships, possibly even of life from those in the community. These are people who had really suffered. So how then is this not just some cold command? Right, how is Paul not just the, like that, that football coach who looks at the kid who just broke his leg and says, walk it off, son. You know, how is he, how is he not like Job's, and Job's friends? You know, give glory to God, sinner. You, you probably deserve this. Like, how is this not just a harsh command? We could go into all sorts of reasons why giving thanks is right at all times and in all places, but I think Paul had an understanding being schooled in the scriptures of Israel, 
Being schooled in the Old Testament, he knew just how powerful Thanksgiving was beyond being right, but how good it was for the Thessalonians themselves and for us who would read these letters 2,000 years later. And so what I want to do is I actually want to look at Psalm 36 and look at, see how we see two truths about giving thanks, what giving thanks in all times and in all places does for us in the middle of those circumstances. And what it does is I think it reminds us first of the enduring goodness of God above all circumstances. And second, it reminds us of a God who is at work in all circumstances. Okay, so that's what I want us to look at is these next two points is, uh, is the way giving thanks reminds us of the enduring goodness of God above all circumstances and the way it reminds us of God at work in all circumstances. So with that said, let's look at Psalm 136. A little word about it. It is a, it is a hymn. It is probably a, not even quite a hymn. It was a, it was a liturgical call and response. The, 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 the worship leader would have said the first line and then everybody would have responded, uh, for, the, for his steadfast love endures forever. And so he opens with this command, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And, and that refrain will repeat throughout the whole with a bunch of reasons to give thanks to the Lord. But I think it's important that we start with the, with the first verse where we see the psalmist anchoring Israel's thanksgiving and praise in what is unchanging, what remains the same. The Lord is good. And this is important because those of us in trying circumstances, one of the most disorienting things is, is, the, is the fact that like, we don't know what's coming next. Right? When, when tragedy hits, when, 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 when uncertainty strikes, you know, I don't know how many times I've talked to somebody, they'll say like, oh yeah, we'll see you, or who knows, it's 2020, right? It's just the uncertainty of it just can, can, can cause us to shut down and, and lose our ability to function oftentimes. And we've all kind of adapted, but there just always seems to be something else coming up. So, so what do we do? Well, Kierkegaard, this, the philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, talked about what to do when facing unknown circumstances uh, of the future, and he put it this way. He said, how then should we face the future? When the sailor is out on the ocean, when everything is changing all around him, when the waves are born and die, he does not stare down into the waves because they are changing. Instead, he looks up at the stars. Why? Because they are faithful. They have the same location now that they had for our ancestors and they will have for generations to come. By what means does he conquer the changeable? By the eternal. See, when we give thanks to God, we're reminding ourselves to look at the stars, the unchanging, eternal God. And this is what, this is what the psalmist does in the first few verses of the psalm. He says, think about who God is. God is the God of gods. God is the Lord of lords, the King of kings. He alone does great wonders. He alone created the heavens and the earth. He alone hung up the stars in the heavens, the sun and the moon, like their little twinkle lights in the sky. He is utterly unique and unchallenged in his supremacy and, and just metaphysical and ontological weight. He is God. But not only is he God, he is unchangeably, omnipotently, all-powerfully good in his godness, right? And that goodness is 
as uh, interpreted in the psalm over and over with that with that the, that repeated phrase steadfast love and that steadfast love in Hebrew the word that gets used there uh, to talk about it over and over again is the word hesed and preachers like to use the word hesed because it's fun to say just say it say it at home hesed nobody's listening uh, but also because uh, it's such a rich word what it's talking about is this steadfast love it's talking about this covenant love. God is a God who makes covenants. He, he makes promises. And the awesome thing about God making promises is that nobody can make him break them, right? There's nobody who can challenge him. Nobody can strong arm him. He's the God of gods. He's the king of kings. And so when he has steadfast love for someone, when he, when he promises, nobody can change his mind about it. And this is, this is good news for you if you are in Christ. If you are in Christ and you're in relationship with this God, you have his assurance and promise that he is for you and he is with you. And so you begin, as you reflect on that, you begin to have a peace that surpasses all earthly understanding because you have a God who surpasses all earthly circumstances. And so when you are lost, when you feel tossed by the waves, when you are seeing them born and die, when the psalmist says, give thanks to the Lord, what he's saying is, look at the stars. Look at the one who made the stars and have confidence that that is the, that is the one. He is the one who has steadfast love for you in this moment. And so that's the first thing that giving thanks in all circumstances reminds us of. The second thing it reminds us of is the God who is at work in all circumstances. And, and I, I use this word remind and remember because it's so important. I don't know about you, I, I have trouble with memory sometimes for details. Um, my, my wife never does. She, she remembers details really well. I, we, she, knows, she knows what we wore the first, uh, on our first date like 15 years ago. I'm not even kidding. She, she can tell you the outfits the next few dates. And I barely remember what I wore to church last week, so I don't like just kind of repeat the same outfit. Although. Repeating the same outfit, I mean, that was the Steve Jobs move, and I feel I feel like that's a legit move if you can pull that off. I think I can't because I, I don't own a massive company, but, but he can't, so I respect that. In any case, digression aside, even guys who don't have to think about details or people who do, we forget. We forget deep truths, existential truths, right? Which is why we have things like birthdays and, and celebrate anniversaries because uh, when you're celebrating a birthday, you don't, you're not just saying, oh, so-and-so was born 15 years ago. You're, you're saying so-and-so, Joe was born, and, and you're remembering the particularities about that person. And when you, when you have a wedding anniversary, it's not just, hey, we made it to 20, although that's big. We're saying, this is the person I married 20 years ago. This, this is, and this is why. And this is why I'm still married. And so we, we, in, 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 the, in the everyday of life, it's easy to forget the deep existential relational truths. And that is, that, is, that is even more true about our relationship with God, which is why the Bible so often calls us to remember and why God gave Israel ceremonies and, and festivals, yearly festivals like tabernacles and, and feasts of booth, all those sorts of things to remember what God has done for them because we so often forget in our sinful ingratitude and just the, the, the helter-skelter of life. And that is what we get in the rest of this psalm is we get descriptions of the mighty acts of God, his defeat of the Pharaoh and the Egyptians, 
his conquering and parting of the Red Sea, his conquering of the kings, his, his, his giving Israel a, a land, his, his, all of these things, remembering them in their lowest state. The thing to remember about this is that all these events are awesome events of God's might and power being displayed, but they happen in the middle of terrifying and confusing the circumstances, right? God rescued Israel from slavery after 400 years of slavery, right? He, he, he rescued them at the Red Sea, parting it uh, and, and rescuing them from Pharaoh. And that was, that was a situation where you basically had a, a wagon train of, of, of escaped slaves and their livestock and children running, being chased down by a global superpower in chariots, right? He gives them land after 40 years in the wilderness. He remembers them in their lowest state, but they're in their lowest state. Right? All of these things are happening in the middle of, of, of trial. And so in giving thanks for these mighty acts, Israel is called to remember God was at work in all of those circumstances. And so here's the thing. When Israel thinks about this and when you think about this, we're, we're taught and reminded that everything going okay, everything going according to plan, everything being under control according to human understanding is not actually the measure of whether or not God is in control or God's at work. All of those things could be in disarray. All of those things can look like, like everything's about to collapse, and yet God is at work in these circumstances. And this is, this is what we're reminded of when we give thanks and give praise to him for what he's done. And I'll just tell you, um, sometimes you, you preach something, and it's like the, the Lord allows you to feel it, um, feel the weight of it. And this, these last couple of weeks have been some of those weeks where um, wrestling with a sermon. My dad has been at this point in the hospital for four weeks now. Um, he had a surgery that was supposed to, he was supposed to be in and out a week. It was a massive spinal surgery on his discs. And then uh, there were complications, right? There was an infection and there were, there were three more surgeries. Uh, there was, uh, you know, a few weeks, a couple of weeks of uncertainty where uh, I mean, my mom, my dad, my, my, my sister and I, we just didn't know what was happening. And even now they're planning on transferring him to another hospital in order to get him some of the help that he needs. And I just ask you to pray for that. But over and over during this time of deep uncertainty and deep, uh, like fear, I'll just be honest. Um, I've had to come back to this refrain the steadfast love of God endures forever. And we've had to give thanks and remind ourselves of all the times that God has come through for us in the past. And in those moments in giving thanks to God for what he's done, that gave us confidence and renewed peace and the ability to beg him and plead with him and pray with him for the present. And of course, for so many of us, when we're in the middle of it all, I will say it's hard to think back to the record of God's faithfulness in our own stories. It's true, especially when we're in the middle of them, right? You, it's, you can't look around and see the end. You can't look forward and see the end. But this is where it's important to recall that the life of thanksgiving that is, is in, in all circumstances is the will of God for us in Christ, right? Paul says in Christ. And, and when we remember it's in Christ, we remember that it's not just that there, that, 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 Christ is the greatest illustration, uh, but rally, rather he is the enactment 
and the ground for our giving thanks in all circumstances. We see this chiefly when we look at the cross, because what do we see in the cross? In the cross, we see God at work in the most miserable, accursed, and God-forsaken of all circumstances, right? You see it in the humiliating anguish of Christ in Gethsemane. You see it in the tormented agony of the cross where Christ gave himself up for me and for you and for our sins, for the sins of our ingratitude, of our, of our lies, of our deceits, of all these things. And he offered himself up in order to pay for these things and redeem us. And then had all of that vindicated and overturned in the resurrection of Jesus after his death and burial where in God overturned the sentence of death and redeemed his life in the resurrection. And this is where we see a God who is at work in all, all circumstances. And it's also in Christ, as we look at him, where we see that this work is the steadfast love of God who loves us with an immutable, eternal, and unchangeable, all-powerful love. Um, Pastor and reformer John Calvin tells us that in giving thanks or in telling us to give thanks, commanding us to give thanks, God desires one thing. He desires us to recall that, quote, God has such a disposition towards us in Christ that even in our afflictions, we have large occasion of thanksgiving. For what is fitter or more suitable for pacifying us, for calming us, than when we learn that God embraces us in Christ so tenderly that he turns to our advantage and welfare everything that befalls us. Calvin's point is remarkable. Remember who is God, right? Who's God? God is perfect. God is unchangeable. God is omnipotent. God is full. God is Trinity. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God doesn't need a single thing from you. So when he commands you to give thanks, he's not doing it because he needs you to pat him on the back or, oh, good, good job, God. No, no. He does that for you. Because as you give thanks, you are reassured of the love of God in Christ for you. And, the, and, and you're reassured that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. That is why God commands thanks beyond the fact that it is right to give him thanks. And this is God's will for you in Christ, that we give thanks in all things and be grounded deeply in this truth. Because you and I, we, we have a tendency to live in one of two stories. There's the story where, where you're in control and it all depends on you. And if you don't have the resources to fix, what, fix whatever's going on, then you're hosed. And then there's that second story where God is in control and God is at work and God loves you with a steadfast love and you have hope in Christ. Because if you are in Christ, you have the security of knowing that in all circumstances, you are found in Christ. Even if those, you thinking over the circumstances, even those circumstances where, where it may be trial of your own making because your own sin and foolishness, well, in Christ, you know that you are loved and you are forgiven and you are justified. You're made right with God, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done for you. And when you, the circumstances are just, are just the, 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 the despair of just your own self, not being able to, to live the way that you feel called to live, well, just know that you have been cleansed and that you are being transformed in Christ. Christ is renewing you. And when the circumstances are difficult and they seem utterly beyond your control, anything that you can redeem, you have hope in Christ because this is the God who overturned death in the resurrection. And that hope is yours as well in Christ.
because in Christ you are his beloved. And so you have this security. And the thing is, as you recall this, I have found that giving thanks to God for these big, eternal, can't change them if you tried truths uh, of the gospel, um, there's a, a reminder of uh, all these other little truths, all these other things in, in, in their wake. Um, I think of just even the last line, one of the last lines of the psalm. He says, and you, he gives food to all flesh. You know, after all these big, cosmic, great accomplishments, oh, and he feeds us, right? And, and you recall all of the small ways that God and large ways that God has taken care of you, food in the pantry, right? Air in your lungs. I think of, uh, there's a gospel song, you can go look it up, uh, by Beverly Crawford. And the key line just goes like this. If the Lord never does anything else for me, he's done enough. If the Lord never, never does anything else for me, he's done enough. And giving thanks to God for all these large things reminds us that God has done enough. And you have been loved and well cared for. Uh, in ultimate things. And the ironic thing though is that that's not meant to shut down. That's not meant to shut down our requests. That's not meant to kind of stiff arm our crying out to God. No, Paul links these together. He, he links three commands. Remember, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And the reality is when we give thanks in all circumstances, I think that is what gives us the ability to rejoice uh, always and pray without ceasing because we have renewed confidence in the God who will hear our prayers. He has heard them and he will hear them again. So pray without ceasing because you give thanks in all circumstances. So what do we do with this? How do we become people who give thanks in all circumstances? It's not automatic. Right? The reality is we have a lifetime of ingrained ingratitude to move past in a lot of ways. That's often not the reflex of our soul. Nevertheless, we do have the Holy Spirit who is at work in us, changing us. And so when we take actions uh, in order to live into that grace, the Holy Spirit works them into our hearts. So, so there are a couple practical things you can do. For one thing, um, just make time each day to give God thanks. Right? Uh, I don't know if that means setting an alarm for you in the morning or in the evening or at lunch. Just, you know, God, um, thank you for one thing. And, you know, you're at lunch, you're eating, I don't know, you're eating a burrito. Just thank God for the burrito. I mean, it can be as simple and silly as that. But the, the reflex is what we're training so that our instinct is to give thanks. There is a quote that should have been printed in, in, or was uh, posted on the screen before earlier. Uh, it's kind of floating through by G.K. Chesterton talks about saying grace or giving thanks for dinner. And he says, um, you say grace before meals. All right. But I say grace before the concert and the opera and grace before the play and pantomime and grace before I open a book and grace before sketching and painting and swimming and fencing and boxing and walking and playing, dancing and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. And I don't know if Chesterton actually did all of those activities, but the instinct to give grace before all things, give thanks before all things, you can give thanks for everything. Because they all come from the, from the, from the good hand of our Father of lights. And so we do that on our own. We can do that in small groups. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you all have uh, small groups that meet still regularly. You do that in, in, in your small group time. Or, or especially, I think, as the community, as we gather, even digitally, part of what we do week to week is we sing songs of praise to our God and we hear the gospel 
and, and you will move to a time of receiving the Lord's Supper. And in all of these things, these gifts of grace, we are reminded and we are moved to give thanks to God for the good news of the gospel, wherein we see revealed a God of steadfast love in whom we know his love endures forever. So with that in mind, go ahead and bow your heads and pray with me and receive some of that grace. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your gospel. And we thank you for you being you for us. Because that is ultimately what we need, is, is you just continuing to be you, the good, eternal, all-powerful, and all-kind God that we see revealed in Jesus. And so we ask you that we would see that and receive that and be transformed by it as we give thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.